Welcome to the Building Blocks of Gratitude podcast, part of a series of podcasts under the Gratitude in the Workplace channel. My name is Dr. Deborah Stewart, and I'm an organizational psychologist who researches essential components of positive workplace cultures and individual wellness. These podcasts also support the Workplace Gratitude courses for leaders offered through my online courses and CEU offerings. You may contact me at pictureyourselfstronger at yahoo.com for more information about courses to improve workplace culture and individual wellness. It is essential to view these podcasts as a starting point or suggestion for building an individual workplace uh, practice of gratitude, and the podcast should never be used as a substitute for professional counseling or direct medical advice from a doctor or other qualified clinician. When receiving therapy and guidance from your healthcare practitioner, it is important to inform them of the details of your practice of gratitude. Gratitude must be practiced at your individual comfort level while being situationally aware of the intentions and agendas of others. The research and review for the podcast of Building Blocks of Gratitude is a starting point for understanding how to sustain your practice of gratitude. The Gratitude in the Workplace channel, podcasts, and courses are suggested approaches for implementing optimism and gratitude in the workplace. However, an assessment is recommended to be conducted by the leadership of each workplace environment to discover unmet needs among the employee population before trying to implement a practice of gratitude in the workplace or educational setting. Gratitude in organizations is a low-cost, no-cost program to increase social connectedness and reciprocity in the workplace or educational setting. A sustained practice of gratitude takes a deliberate approach to caring for yourself when giving to others. In this podcast, we will explore the literature review concerning how to build a practice of gratitude that contains the building blocks for developing a healthy approach to a practice of gratitude. The first step is to conduct a needs assessment of your dimensions of wellness to make sure that unmet needs are addressed or at least identified. The second building block is based on developing a situationally aware practice of gratitude to avoid the pitfalls of the dark side of a practice of gratitude. And finally, we will explore the inner workings of sustained healthy habits and how to embed a practice of gratitude into your daily life. Gratitude may be a way of giving back or helping others. The American Psychological Association defines the phenomenon of gratitude as a sense of happiness and thankfulness in response to a fortunate happenstance or tangible gift. The literature review reveals that gratitude improves relationships, social connectedness, and reciprocity. According to the University of Utah Health, gratitude can make people happier, improve relationships, and potentially counteract depression and suicidal thoughts. And gratitude can also boost self-esteem. There are many reasons why reciprocity or acts of gratitude or positive thoughts are challenging to generate, such as when one experiences unmet needs or interruptions in the dimensions of of wellness, which are the physical, social, emotional, intellectual, nutritional, occupational, spiritual, and the environmental dimensions of wellness. According to to McLeod, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a physiological motivational uh, theory comprised of a five-tier model of human needs, often depicted as a hierarchical needs within a pyramid. From the bottom of the hierarchy upwards, the needs are physiological, moving towards psychological. 
starting with food and clothing, safety, and then love and belonging, and friendship needs and self-actualization. The main focus of the theory was that the lower or basic needs of life must be met before a person can focus on the higher needs such as love, belonging, friendship, esteem, and self-actualization. For many reasons, expressing and practicing gratitude for personal well-being may be difficult to maintain. Sometimes gratitude can be difficult in certain challenging situations, conditions, and emotional states, or when experiencing unmet needs. Practicing gratitude may also be difficult during illness, hardship, or loss. Sometimes people are reluctant to show gratitude for fear of indebtedness and a sense of obligation beyond their emotional bandwidth or available resources. In toxic work environments or relationships, gratitude may be weaponized and individual emotions minimized or based on shame and perceived as not being authentic. These situations may maintain harmful exchange, be negatively comparative, and be misused. Also, in certain cultures and businesses, gratitude is seen as a weakness or counterintuitive during negotiations. It's important to assess the negative aspects of certain situations as part of a growth mindset while being careful not to deny emotions or emotional processing of potentially damaging interactions and situations. Becoming a helper for others and society is part of the gratitude process. The typical needs and motivation of helpers are diverse, as are their motivation to help others. And it's important to take time to reflect on personal motivations and drives uh, to practice gratitude to avoid the pitfalls associated with selfish motives and agendas. And since a practice of gratitude has a dual purpose of benefiting the person expressing gratitude and the person receiving gratitude, the spillover effects would not be considered selfish if the motive and drives for the expressions were pure, were pure. And gratitude helps us cope with stressful experiences by reminding us what is positive in our lives in the midst of difficulty or even, even as a result of uh, suffering, says Joe Wong, who develops the Counseling Psychology Program at Indiana University, Bloomington. Coy and Coy stated that the typical needs and motivations of helpers include the need to make an impact, the need to reciprocate, the need to care for others, the need for self-help, the need to be needed, the need for prestige, status, and power, the need to provide answers, and the need to control. Caregivers and helpers are especially vulnerable to stress and burnout because the closeness that they experience concerning the needs of the patients or loved ones and their ongoing losses. Burnout can lead to depersonalization and emotional and physical exhaustion. It's important to realize that caregiver and helper burnout is short-term and manageable if the caregiver is aware of their condition and if they're willing and able to pursue help. Unattended burnout can become an ethical issue because burnout can impair decision-making and competence. Therefore, a practice of gratitude will include taking the time for self-care and setting priorities for self-renewal. Compassion and empathy Fatigue are also considered stressors if not managed appropriately. For example, acts of reciprocity when practicing gratitude may make the helper feel like they cannot give anymore, and helpers may feel overwhelmed when societal needs seems never-ending. Therefore, gratitude requires a balanced approach of self-care and love and support from trusted family, friends, and mentors. 
The practice of gratitude is a popular approach to positive psychology and may become ritualistic if one is not careful. For example, within the rhythm of gratitude, one seeks to find the good in each day and the source of that good. However, it's essential to recognize the typical neg negative aspects of each day for personal growth and development. In other words, the practice of gratitude does not mean we ignore feelings and emotions, especially if they are not based on positive thoughts, gratitude, or servant leadership. Negative situations and thoughts are a part of human existence. Therefore, it's essential to acknowledge and evaluate the significance of each encounter and its importance in your life. Being situationally aware will help you continue a practice of gratitude while protecting your best interests, values, and self-worth. Gregory stated that it's important to feel your feelings, and when experiencing loss, try not to hinder your emotions but grieve according to your needs and your timeline. In Gregory's research, it was found that unprocessed or delayed emotional processing can cause trauma, complicated grief, and various mental health disorders. In addition, gratitude is not about comparing ourselves to others, but instead it's about recognizing personal resources, gifts, and talents, and appreciating the benefits. Journaling is an activity that may reduce stress and help you organize your emotions, ambitions, self-care practices, and goals and dreams. According to the University of Augustine for Health Sciences, journaling may improve mental health, increase self-confidence, and heighten performance in many areas of individual pursuit. Portman suggested journaling routinely and starting with a 12-minute rule to allow time for thoughts to flow and develop. However, journaling can be scheduled, spontaneous, or intermittent if needed. And remember that journaling may be handwritten, typed, pictorial journey of artistry or drawing, or audio or visually recorded. Journals may be theme-related, de depending on individual interests, self-care hobbies, uh, religious pursuits, athletic interests, professional growth and development, and so much more. As a professor, I encourage my business students to create leadership journals where business tools such as SWOT analysis or SMART goals are implemented to help leaders problem-solve and approach various workplace dilemmas in an informed manner. SWOT is an acronym for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and is a tool for sorting out the major aspects of a particular problem or market competition. Chioli and others stated that given that the SWOT analysis looks at factors both inside and outside an entity, it is also occasionally labeled as an internal-external analysis. And in consideration of the broad nature of the tool, it has both organizational, organizational and individual utility. Since journaling often leads to problem solving or setting goals for improvement or achievement, setting SMART goals are also a great method for creating actionable results. SMART is an acronym for goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-oriented. Leonard and Watts commented that SMART goals clarify the objective and provide the motivation to succeed while challenging the leader to remain focused and determined to achieve their goals. SMART goals also work for other industries, a family unit, community projects, and even with personal goals and pursuits and health-related problems such as weight loss and alcohol and drug abuse addictions. As an example, for using goals to moderate alcohol and drug addiction, Melgo and others stated that goal formulation becomes a first step and the identification of action-oriented action objectives is the next step in a process where the priorities of treatment are determined. 
Gratitude prompts are creative ways to start your free-flowing thoughts about gratitude and life in general. If you have specific journals dedicated to select topics such as health and wellness, career development and growth, workplace issues, hobbies, relationships, parenting, or any other topic of interest, gratitude prompts there may not be needed. However, if you're having trouble putting your thoughts to words or feel less creative or reflective on a particular day, then gratitude prompts may inspire your writing direction and open up opportunities for self-expression in new areas. It's essential to look for positive aspects in any prompt, and when there is a problem to be resolved, set a time to examine the issue closer and perhaps conduct a SWOT or SMART analysis. Also think about the benefits of asking experts and mentors in the area of concern for additional direction or advice. The 123 Gratitude Prompts for Your Gratitude Journal podcast has a variety of suggestions to inspire ideas for your gratitude journal. Across cultures, and depending on how cultures relate to one another, we may see individualistic or collectivist ways of expressing gratitude. For example, Newman supports this by saying that Americans tend to be very individualistic in contrast with collective cultures that put much more emphasis on the social group. In individualistic uh, cultures, gratitude is often said on an individual level, giving credit to self or through the organization versus collective cultures may express gratitude from a plural or group perspective to benefit everyone. Newman also stated that 85% of the world's population lives in cultures that researchers deem as collective, where people put greater emphasis on harmony and honoring others. Newman breaks the categories into uh, further uh, groups such as self-governing cultures where children are taught to be independent and self-directed whereas children in other governing cultures uh, learn the duty to be obedient to parents and elders. Additionally, Newman comments that cultures that emphasize relatedness put greater value on connecting with others and developing relationships which is less important to those that value separateness. And since the language of gratitude can, both global, can be both global and personal, it's important to understand the cultural differences in relating to one another to avoid awkward expressions of gratitude. Fortunately, we also communicate using nonverbal language, which helps with uh, meaning and understanding. Nonverbal communication is also culturally and subculturally based. In psychology, it's said that communication can be anywhere from 70 to 93% of the conversation. According to Navarro and others, nonverbal communication is a way to convey information achieved through facial expressions, gestures, touching, physical movements, um, posture, body adornment, and even the tone, timbre, and volume of an individual's voice. Being understood and validated during expressions of gratitude exchange increases the value of the expression which suggests that both the self-benefiting and other praising gratitude exchange must be relevant and meaningful. According to Wise and others, the more the relationship partner expressed gratitude by praising them, the more benefactors felt understood, validated, and cared for. Additionally, Wise and others stated that gratitude enforces social bonds, and this relationship-regulating function depends on whether and how it was expressed. People can express gratitude in different ways, such as self-benefiting or other praising that focuses on the benefactor's actions. Gratitude across relationships, whether they are personal or professional, 
have a specific language that fits the situation and norms of that environment. For example, Moore stated that the five ways of expressing appreciation at work are words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and culturally and workplace policy appropriate physical touch. According to Hassemper and others, computer-mediated communication adds a different dynamic. For example, these researchers found that the language of Instagram, as one of the most dominant social networking applications, has turned into a genre leading its users to make use of certain linguistics and thought patterns within characteristics that might even contradict the peregrine patterns of an individual's native language, transcending different languages and cultures. Also, being anonymous in an online environment may embolden users to try different strategies for gratitude and politeness. Computer-mediated communication now includes emojis and stickers, which are a growing industry for visual communication of emotions and expressions of gratitude. According to Yang, emojis meant for building trust or feelings of I am sorry are considered the least effective emojis because they are deemed insincere. So internet speech communication is expressed both verbally and in nonverbal ways. So we see in the um, computer-mediated communication, we will often see emojis, gift animation, emoticons, stickers, self-signatures, and photos, selfies, uh, selfies, and the uh, verbal web-based communications uh, can also be accompanied by emoticons, stickers, and self-signatures and even memes to indicate the mood of the sender at a given moment. And while computer-mediated communications in this manner may be quicker, it's important to remember that this form of communication may be misinterpreted as well. Therefore, it's important to take care before sending this form of communication and take time to consider the relationship of the recipient and whether the communication is appropriate for the setting and situation. There has been legal action taken for some computer-mediated communication and images and some examples also there are some examples of those are those that pose a threat or may be considered sexual harassment or convey discrimination or cross-cultural hatred and violence. So in this podcast we examine the building blocks of gratitude needed to sustain a practice of gratitude. Discovering unmet needs tops the list so that these needs can be addressed so that the dimensions of wellness are supported for optimal health and to avoid gratitude burnout. Examining the needs of the helper or one who reciprocates gratitude and cares for others are also evaluated to help the giver of gratitude avoid compassion and empathy fatigue. And finally, we review the re- literature review about the importance of journaling and cross-cultural communication. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Building Blocks of Gratitude, which is part of the Gratitude in the Workplace channel. Be sure to check out the podcast Gratitude in Difficult Times, 100 Ways to Promote and Express Gratitude, and Gratitude May Reduce Anxiety. As always, feel free to contact me with your gratitude thoughts and ideas for future podcasts. This is Dr. Deborah Stewart at PictureYourselfStronger at Yahoo.com. Thank you.